Hello there, and welcome to the Comic Book Tesseract, the weekly comics netcast that's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. I'm Justin Chalupka, alongside Jason Polieff. Every week we review and preview the world of comics, along with other facets of geek sheet culture. I want to apologize in advance, I'm a little bit stuffy again this week, so if you hear me making very untoward <laughs> kind of noises, uh, you'll know why. <clears throat> but uh, I'm feeling good, so we're going to get this party started. We have a boat ton of news this week, so we're going <laughs> to just haul butt through comics and uh, get into some of the nitty-gritty, because we had so much come through. Uh, okay. First off, let's hit up on some number ones to begin with. We had actually three number one titles come out this week. Uh, actually, uh, one of those was actually a reprint, so it actually came out a while before. Yeah, I don't we'll know if it was... We'll, we'll mention that one just... Well, let's start with that, because I don't yeah. know if this was a, a full month before now. I think it was, because I believe number two was supposed to come out this week, and we couldn't get our hands on that. All right, so... Like, so from what I heard, I think this one's actually selling out at the distributor level. Like, they, the shops are... Having problems get it, yeah, yeah, which is great. That that's good news, yeah. especially for smaller independent comics. And which this one is. This is a a, a self titled a rural noir by Tim Seeley and Mike Norton out of Image Comics called Revival. Okay, so Image, so it's not that small of a publisher, it's but one uh, of the big three. Yeah. Then again, you know, Image does a lot of creator own stuff. Yeah. This. Everything. Is, yeah, I think this is much more in your wheelhouse than it's in my wheelhouse. I'd be, I'm perfectly happy saying that. Uh, it's set in Wisconsin, so I mean, that puts it in my wheelhouse to begin with. Oh, yeah. But, but beside that, this story is a take on a, I'm just going to say flat out, a zombie story. It, it is, but it has a very strong religious slant to it, because from what we've seen so far in this issue, there's nothing in it that has to do with actual like a viral zombie outbreak. Not a zombie outbreak as such, but the dead coming back yes. is definitely zombie. And it looks like there's something causing them to turn. There's something that's not quite right with them. We see one that's come back and she's actually pulling her teeth out. Well, but and the they thing grow is, though, back. And although that is kooky, it's kooky, uh, not necessarily because she's coming back wrong. Like she wasn't doing that without any provocation. She was doing it because she couldn't understand why they kept growing back. And it was, it, it drove her nuts was what happened. Yeah. Well, so it's not that she's coming back wrong. It's that just coming back so, so, at all is beginning to twist her psyche and that she was unable to deal with it. And I think that's what we're going to see is the revived, which are the people that have mm-hmm. come back as they're referring to them, have prob- are all probably healing and coming back fully as they were in their youth, yeah, you know, healthy, and or that, at, at least at the, how they, at the same age of their no de- departure. No, because she was dead. She had dentures, but her teeth were growing back. She's saying, okay, she, yeah. Part yeah, of the yeah. reason she says she's pulling them out is because her dentures don't fit, fit right anymore. with them in. Right. So she's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you got a point. So I think what we're going to see is these people returning to the point of complete health, and that's what's ac- that, that's what's actually reconciling with their head that they can't get their brain around. Mm-hmm. As to causing the the problems for them, yeah, and and what may inevitably call them screwy. Now, there's elements of a crime that's been committed here, mm-hmm. and looking to see, and you know, researching what that crime is. That's what uh, the driving forces of why the the main character goes where she goes. Well, we, at I the said, beginning of this, yeah, I so said we should say this book focuses on a young cop who is hoping to make detective. Her father is the chief of the station that the, she works at, sheriff, a sheriff, excuse me. Yeah. So they don't have the best relationship. That's one thing nope. that I picked up on. Yeah, they don't have the best relationship, and they seem to have an estranged sister as well, which will leave that well, relationship. I, I wouldn't at necessarily that. say estranged. It seemed like the sister's gone off to college, so she she's younger. So yeah, there may yeah. be a little bit of a generation gap, but she didn't seem so much estranged as you're the younger sibling who's supposed to be off at college. Why are you back in town? See, I so, caught it more as like there was there was a, an extreme lack of communication there, like. Not just she was going off to college, but she had gone off and kind of like cut the ties as well. I think she may have cut the ties with the dad a bit more than yeah. the sister. That that was my right, impression. right. And actually, well, when I say estranged, I meant estranged from the family, not necessarily from. And I think there was another sister. element in there in that she, um, it actually did eventually actually do what you said and cut the ties for a specific reason, which is revealed at the end of this book. Yeah. Uh, so there is that specific reason, but there was other tensions in there that she may have mm-hmm. had with the father beforehand that I don't think existed between the two sisters. Yeah. Now, uh, one thing I do want to mention real quick, and actually we'll probably move on after this, is 
well, this is definitely in my wheelhouse. I tend to like the more kind of horror story. Right. To me, this doesn't really feel like a horror story because there's nothing horrific about it. Well, it's, it's not being brought about as a, you know, a shock or a, a, a gross out type of story. It's a, here is something that's happening. Right. Well, yeah, <laughs> it's here's something that's happening. And yeah, maybe it's a little creepy, but this is the real, the realistic reaction to this type of event. The, the interesting thing is they, they called it a Midwest noir. A rural and, noir, yeah. And noir would definitely be more in my wheelhouse, which is one of the interesting things on why you picked it up. Yeah. Well, and, generally when you hear noir, you think detective story, yeah, which while we do have the mystery element in it, yeah, it's, but because of the, the fantastic element as well, I think yeah. it pulls away from noir, which is usually that gritty realism, yeah. very much it, realism, whereas this is more horror. fantastic. This, more of a noir horror with this, I could see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, something maybe like a, with a Constantine type of a story. Where you've got okay. the detective point, element yeah, yeah. going in there. Uh, so for, for me, this one is something that I might grab and steal your copy to read, mm-hmm. but it's the story, the style of story is more your wheelhouse. Yeah. And uh, style so, aside, did you like the story that was in it? It was well presented. I, I, okay. I'm not, it just didn't grab me. And I think that more has to do with the genre and the yeah. fantastic elements mm-hmm. in this environment that they're presenting than actually the storytelling or the characters because there was definitely some interesting things about these characters to want to keep reading them. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're certainly easy to identify with, I think. Yeah. And they're w- written well that way. Yeah. Okay, next. Well, speaking of fantastic elements, uh, another number one from this week is Pathfinder. Ooh. Pathfinder is based on the game of the same name created by uh, Paizau Publishing and is the sort of heir apparent to the D&D empire. When 4th edition D&D came out, Paizau sort of saw their opportunity to take the 3-5 and the 3-5-1 that Wizards of the Coast had done and really capitalize on it because they felt, or they there saw... Was a lot of the D&D market was disenfranchised when Edition 4 came edition. out. Very, they very did, much so. There was a big change in how the game was played, big change in the rules, and so a lot of the players that had been growing up doing Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition, 3rd Edition, mm-hmm. felt really disenfranchised and wanted to stay more within that realm. So and that's where Pathfinder comes in. They created that world to say, yeah, yeah it's a new world, well, but not so much the, the world, the but the play. system. Yeah. The, the, the play the engine is, of it. it's a new world, but the play is the same. Yeah. So, so people could take the, and they basically took the three, five, one, which a lot of players felt was almost where it should be. And then they made what a lot of people call the three, seven, five, which is just Pathfinder yeah. and gave them exactly what it is that they wanted. Now, as for this comic, in a similar fashion, this comic gives me the same type of warm fuzzies that I got when I was reading the D&D comics as they were coming out from um, IDW. Okay. I was going to say, how does this compare to those? I, I wanted to discuss it. I enjoyed this. I enjoyed this a lot for the same reasons that I enjoyed the D&D book in that the characters in here and their interactions are what I wished every single D&D group I've ever been in or will ever be in would be like. There is such a great chemistry between such disparate characters, and it's humorous, it's tense, it's just entertaining to observe. And I, I read it differently because I found it kind of chunky. As, How so? Yeah, I felt the characters themselves were not fully fleshed out and were more caricatures of what you expect these characters to be in a D&D world. Yeah. The group itself, yeah. with, the ex- with the exception of one character... Seem to be your typical, okay, we've got to have represent an elf, we've got to represent mm-hmm. a dwarf, we've got to have a human. Gotta have gotta the mage, have, gotta have the drunk, the or, drunk fighter. You gotta have a, a big burly fighter, you gotta have a thief, you gotta have, mm-hmm. and it, it felt very much like your typical group, yeah, that, that's been established since, yeah, your standard D&D since party. Tolkien with the fellowship. Of, right. These are the people that you have and you need a group of them. The one that I found actually interesting hmm. was a character who had only a minor role in this, although I'm sure he's going to be part of the group and continue on, well, was the Dwarven Ranger. Mm-hmm. Which, is that's just a fun way of taking a class and a race that don't normally go together. Which they even comment on in the book as well. Right. Yeah. So, that that was something new and, and a twist. Everything else in here felt like it had been there before. And oh, yeah. I mean, there's certainly no new paths being forged on this. So, if you like that type of story, you like that type of dynamic and type of group, by all means, this is the book for you. Um, I'm actually, I know somebody, I'm going to actually take and dump this right on his lap when I see him this week. 
because I know he would probably really, really enjoy it. He's a big Pathfinder player, and I think he would read these characters and really identify with them because yeah. he's had people in his groups that have oh, played I, these stereotypical characters. I, I've had people play these characters as well. Oh, yeah. It, Which, it, if you think about it, they kind of have to do that in a way because it makes it very easy for somebody that's starting this book to be able to approach that character and just immediately understand, okay, I know exactly where this guy is and what he is. Right. Take, yeah. <laughs> take, take the fighter for the best example. He's your standard drunken lout, charging into battle without heeding anybody's warnings, uh, doing it for the money, is doing it for the fame. Yeah. He is the atypical adventuring warrior. Right. Now, with that in mind, they could easily begin to flesh him out from there, which the D&D books did with the fighter that was in their book as well. They presented a stereotype and then flushed it out from there. Right, and gave them more facets as the story went on. And, and that very well may be what's going to happen with this. Unfortunately, for me, just reading straight stereotypes, except for the Dwarven Ranger, yeah. didn't have enough pull, and the story, the quest that they're on, which is your seems very much like a basic first, second level quest that you would mm-hmm. play in this game, Yeah, which makes sense. To some extent. Well, they actually included a map of the area that they're in, I think they, exactly for the purpose of being able to play out this and adventure. they have character pages for the characters yeah. in this book, so you could actually take the characters and play them, you know, they're in the back of the book, mm-hmm. which is, I, I think that's one of the things idea. I want to talk about is how they put those in there. And oh, yeah, okay. hopefully in the, in the upcoming books, they'll start fleshing, because you know, they only had two of the characters, yeah. hopefully they'll flush out two of the, two more of the, of the main group, mm-hmm. as well as a couple of other Townsfolk that they have listed. Well, in probably here. some of the monsters and stuff too. You know, throw, yeah, throw the mobs in there for they, you. They have a description against. for the town and what the mm-hmm. town stats are. What the the sheriff and one other person yeah. that works in the town. I mean, if you think about it, they're basically publishing an adventure module in comic format. Yeah. Because if they could take this and where this this book ends at the beginning of the fight, they could start the next book with the fight being over, and basically your group can get together and play the middle. You know, how did the fight turn out? Well. Here we go. You go, you that fight it, this guy did this, this guy did that, and then you pick up book number two, and it picks up where your fight left off. Yeah, except for in our fight, everybody died, because hey, we kept if, rolling ones. If you TPK, don't pick up book two. <laughs> so, Because yeah. all it's going to do is depress you. For, for me, it just wasn't enough of a of a unique character's unique story to push me into getting mm-hmm. the next issue, which is unfortunate. But fair enough. Yeah. All right. Uh, another number one. And this one is Homecoming. Homecoming was actually uh, initially shown at Free Comic Book Day this past year. And uh, the uh, Aspen idea... Aspen Comics, correct? Yes, this is Aspen Comics. And in conjunction with Blockade Entertainment, which is new to me. I'm not sure uh, who or what that is. But home, the story of Homecoming is typical high school kid has incredibly hot babe land in his pool out of nowhere... She's talking weird stuff, and then she starts speaking English and wonders, is asking him, why is he in her house? Turns out the girl is actually a a resident of his house, but from something like 16 years ago or something like that. Some, yeah, when she was abducted by aliens. When she was abducted by aliens. She has since come back for whatever reason. So uh, it's her homecoming. Exactly. It, so happens, it also happens to take place about two weeks before the school's homecoming. Yeah. Uh, well... Standard Encino Man shenanigans ensue, but as part of these shenanigans, aliens show up, come after her, pretty obviously, and a group of his friends get injured in the attack. So, she now realizing, like, her amnesia block gets cleared, she knows who she is, what she is, why she's there, then goes and saves all of his friends' lives by putting them in the type of stasis, healing tube thing, uh, they didn't show it in here, although it is kind of teased on the cover. And uh, it was shown, actually, in the free comic book day version. And she basically saves them by grafting them with alien biology. Well, they, they do mention that that's what she's doing. At, oh, okay. the, end of, at the end of this comic, they yeah, mention yeah, yeah. she says she's giving them powers because he's gonna they're going to need that much firepower to be able to survive the yeah. next attack. It. It kind of felt like this is the setup for a Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah, and definitely. Yeah, I was only, the main so, thing I was bummed about is I felt this didn't go as far as the free comic book day comic did, or it went just as far. That there was nothing really 
new in here there other was, than a there, few extra interstitial pages. Th- th- yeah, there were some interstitial pages that get flushed out the world, give a little bit more detail. Yeah. But even with that, the characters, for me at least, still fell a little bit flat. The kid, and I'm sh- they were, I'm sure they were trying to do it's, this on purpose. It's of creating stereotyped out the be, wazoo. I yeah, mean, he, he's, he's not studying because he wants to play his video games. Yeah. And, you know, he's got a small group of friends and they're your stereotypical diverse group of friends. You got a jock, you got a cheerleader, you got. And, well, the, and the cheerleader is the brain, according, because she has glasses. So therefore she must be the smart one. Right. Uh, it looks like the quasi slutty chick is going to be in the back, but she's the one who has the most grotesque adaptations. Right. But if I remember correctly, all the adaptations, I think, can, like, morph in and out so they can hide it. Uh, I don't think they really showed that. I think they just kind of showed what they re- they reveal what everybody has and maybe oh, okay. some powers in, in the free comic book day version. Yeah. I, it wasn't enough to grab me with this. Yeah, I, 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 I got to say, for as for being an Aspen comic, because normally I'm a big Aspen comic mark, this one fell short. Yeah. It, re- it didn't have enough there. Yeah, Which I, is too bad. I, I wanted to enjoy it. I wanted it to really... Are, are Give you, me something to sink my teeth into. Well, it just was too shallow. Knowing that you're an, an Aspen fan, are mm-hmm. you? Is that enough to get you to pick up the next issue? I don't know. To be perfectly <laughs> honest, I, I really don't. Um, I'd like to think so. If nothing else, just so I could finally get something new and maybe yeah. see if there's something there that will draw me in. Because what I read in Free Comic Book Day obviously got me enough to pick it up. Right. Now, Unfortunately, you got the same thing. And maybe yeah, but that I just was got the, the same problem thing again. You felt like you got the same thing. That, no, that's really, that's exactly but what it But it, it really, for me, it kind of, I, I see it and I go, wow, I, I could go turn on Ben 10 now because I think that's, that's the same. I, of, yeah. I, I don't watch Ben 10, but that's the feel that I get from the commercials for Ben 10 compared to reading this comic book. Yeah, I'd, I'd be willing to go along with that. Yeah. Which, yeah. Some, some people, that's in their wheelhouse. I mean, they like that type of thing. I've been like... told Ben 10 is a great cartoon. Oh, and yeah. And if that's your wheelhouse, wonderful. It's not my wheelhouse. Yeah, no, that's and it's on the the fringe of mine. So okay. there may be others that like that. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, so we went through the number ones. Uh, let's look at a number two. Ah, Captain Marvel. Yep, from Marvel Comics. This is Carol Danvers taking over as Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, this book actually takes the story in quite a different direction than what I think either of us were expecting it to go. Yeah, which I, is nice. It's well, it is and it isn't because I like where it went. I. In the same way of the first book, I really feel this is Marvel's response to Power Girl. In, in the way that she's characterized in some of the, um, the, the self-identification issues that she has. And in another way, and this is where I think it falls, is I felt that this issue was very much a rah-rah girl power go us issue. And They're- heavy-handedly so. There, there definitely is the the woman suffrage slant that's taken place in here, and yeah. Well, even more than I mean, we got Rosie the Riveter for the freaking cover for crying out loud. <laughs> but between uh, her and her friend, basically trying to justify a female pilot's uh, claim of achievement, so that starts it off. Then you have an all-girl battalion right. that. All of them look like they could have walked off a Victoria's Secret catalog, which in itself was something I was I wanted to bring up about this well, book. Yeah, you know um, that's, t- that's typical comics. That, that's not typ- this book. That's that, pick up a comic it, book and most of them, look at the cover for Homecoming. Yeah. You know, well, yeah. No, I mean, don't I? I, I understand that. It <laughs> that, just seems standard drawn women in comics. But for a comic that's tr- it feels like it's trying so hard to be female empowering, and to do that at the same time is counterproductive to the message. I think. I would agree with you if it wasn't for the status quo of comic books and that you, you rarely, if ever, see different body styles on women. One of the best examples of women with different body styles is actually Super Best Friends Forever, the animated shorts that DC's been putting out, hmm. because Supergirl, Batgirl, and Donna Troy, Wonder Girl, all have these different body styles. When And when you look at them, you could just look at a silhouette and actually tell the three of them apart. Uh, well, yeah, Batgirls with the little spiky things on her head. No, Supergirls with the cape. The actual body Don shape. Troy's got not, a little not, circle on her hip. So, from the, the actual body shape as opposed yeah. to the accoutrement that you're talking about. <laughs> uh, and I think you're right, you may not get that from the women in here. Now, and maybe Marvel is specifically trying to aim this towards girls. I, I don't know that that's... But if they are, they're. I think they're going way off mark. 
because I don't think this is the type of book that's going to, this is the type of book that's going to draw in guys that are thinking to themselves, Hey, look, I'm a sensitive guy. I'll read a book about a bunch of chicks. Uh, except you know? for it's about a chick. Yeah. Yeah. And has a bunch of other chicks in it that he enjoys looking at. But you know, for me, this was a book where you had a female character who was exploring who she is and, you know, looking up to her idols and trying to, to mm. find her idols and, you know, being able to ju- justify them. Yeah. Like you, we were talking about the record that she right. is going to try and help set and or validate or, at or least. Val- yeah. Validate, prove that the plane was capable of doing that mm-hmm. so that her and friend would be able at to- the same time getting a little accolades herself too, which yeah. it's well, important to note well, that well, she the, does have a bit of uh, a showboat in her. Yeah. She's a competitive streak in her. So she's yeah. like going, I'll prove that she was able to reach the mark of how high she flew by flying higher. Right. And that gets her into trouble. And, you know, she even comments on her having that tendency of pushing herself too far that gets her into trouble. Yeah. So it, it's that character. It's about, you know, standing which, up for that, that the type people of people headedness is the same idols. thing that Power Girl did too, which is why I said it had that same parallel. Yeah. I'm, I'm seeing, I'm seeing some of that. Yeah. As you're talking about it, it wasn't something that was on my mind reading this book, mm-hmm. but I can certainly see where you're getting those parallels from. I, I think Carol is a different character. Than Kara is. As a quick note, uh, Carol Danvers, uh, it is or was Miss Marvel. Yes. Correct? Okay. I, yeah. I want to make sure yeah. that was the she, case. She was the other punching bag of the Marvel universe. Yeah. Aside from Spider-Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Her powers taken away by Rogue. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not even going to get into some of the other stuff because it just gets really bizarre and creepy. And hey, at least she didn't get smacked around by Ant-Man. <laughs> Yeah, we never know. <laughs> you know, she's had much, she's had very bad things happen to her. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, Marvel wanted to promote and have a more prominent woman uh, by taking away her being Miss Marvel, making her Captain Marvel. Hmm. There are some people that are very upset. Actually, if you read the letters page at the end of this book, there are no, people that actually. were, compl- there are two letters, both of them complaining about Miss Marvel becoming Captain Marvel, that it was destroying the Captain Marvel character that she wasn't standing on her own. Huh. So, oh, I I think that's one of the things that they're fighting it here. And that's one of the reasons why you're seeing those elements of that feminist fight and, you know, the all women, you know, uh, flight squadron is, you know, proving that a woman can be on their own and that they can live up to the legends that came before them. Not just, you know, f- female, but also male right. in the case of Captain Marvel. Which I, I really hope that's the case and that they do want to try to make that point. I just don't think they're going about it the right way. Yeah. Is that? I don't know. Well, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. So where do you want to go? Dynamite or DC? Uh. DC's first alphabetically. <laughs> yeah, but which has a lower number? Yeah. Dynamite. Dynamite. Okay, let's go with the lower number. Okay, we yeah. started with number one. Yeah, let's we're doing climbing. All right, uh, this is issue number seven of Voltron. Ah, defender uh, oh, of the universe. No, there is no defender of the universe on this title. <laughs> no, no, you're, you no, are no, correct. It's, it's just Voltron. Voltron. Yes, but he is. But that is that is his job. D- so we've heard it's not his title; it's his job. It's yeah. yeah. I mean, it, he can't make a career out of it. He, he put it on his resume. Yeah. Um, yeah. He didn't go to college for it, but hopefully, he'll be able to get something slack better. Slack ass. <laughs> So, we've talked about Voltron before, and we had mentioned how it deviated from the standard mythology that we knew uh, from the Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. It still had a lot of that nostalgia factor and kind of – it had us, you know, squealing like nerd boys seeing the lions and, oh, they're going to do their thing. Right. But there was a very dark turn with, with in the, the first last, uh, story arc yeah, that I, I have to admit – I loved. <laughs> I thought that was really because I, I really it was, liked what they've been doing. With oh this. yeah, it was a stiff left straight right into the childhood. I mean, it, and enjoyably so. Um, well, it, it, it it's one of those things you can't, where it makes it so you don't know who the good guys are, who the bad guys are. Mm-hmm. I, they, they leave you just enough that Voltron we know is still good, but well, sort of. But well, we know Voltron is still good, but. It leaves some gray area when you start getting to the pilots as their person personalities and personal lives mm-hmm. get, you know, to ha- are pushed against each other and the politics of the world they live in. Now, Voltron is still clearly the good guy and the team is going to be the good guys. 
But it starts opening up the area of the team can have disagreements with each other yeah. on what needs to happen. But also, just how bad are the bad guys? Yeah. It, it, it puts them in a very sympathetic villain light. And, well, actually. Well, the previous arc did. Yeah. Well, one of the things that the previous arc did, and it's, it's really interesting if you're following what's been going on with the Department of Justice and Apple as far as their, uh, new, the e-reader and the Apple iBook store and how when Apple came out, they said, if you're selling a book on the iBook store digitally, it has to be the same price at every vendor. So if you sell it at Amazon, it's, it can't be priced lower than it is on the iTunes store. Hmm. You can price it higher, but iTunes has to have the lowest price that's available no matter anywhere else you sell it. Hmm. Now, what that did is it changed the market, which used uh, used to be, I think they called it an agency market, where Amazon, where the publishers would sell the books, Amazon would buy them at the wholesale price, right. and then could sell them at whatever they wanted. Mm-hmm. Amazon being the giant they were, were able to buy books at such volume that with their discounts and then as promotional things were being able to undercut everybody else's price. So Apple came in saying, Hey, look, we're preventing what, what they were doing by driving everybody else out, driving every, what Amazon was doing to drive everybody else out of the market. But they're doing it by driving everybody else out of the market well, themselves and then well, taking no, Amazon's What role. they're doing is collusion and price fixing. Right. So the department went, at, went after Apple saying you're, you're causing price fixing and Apple's going, but we were beating up the bad guy who was right. creating a monopoly where only they would be the ones selling the books. So, and that's the type of thing going on here is yes, there were people doing bad things, but they were doing bad things because they were trying to correct for other people doing bad things or right. what they saw as bad things. Mm-hmm. And that was King's Archon. What that was his whole idea of. I was going to be something bad to get to this metaphor. Yeah, I know. Well, you should have saved that for the news <laughs> items, damn it. Yeah, I screw you. Pre-opting. Yeah, this ah. was, it's been going on for way for a long time. Oddly, this is the first I'd heard of that. Oh, you I hadn't heard of that before. You don't follow the news. Uh, it's true. But Zarkon basically said, "I became king because the people who were in charge before me were doing bad things, mm-hmm. and I came in here and yes, I did some bad things, and I had to do some things that weren't good in order to take control." And to put everything, you know, so that all the, sh- the trains run on time. Yeah. But I feel I was justified in doing it. And well, yeah, it was very much a, and well, but the ends justified the means. Yeah. And of course, from the, from our childhood, Zarkon was always the bad guy. It is the, the stereotypical and if, mustache and twirling there, bad guy too. His son was the one that. Lothor, was, right. And Lothor has been, been seen previously in wanting, in wanting to attack. Brief. Very, Briefly. very small. And he was seen disobeying to lead the attack against mm-hmm. his father's wishes. And now here he's coming forward after his father was assassinated at the end of the last arc. Mm-hmm. And he's stepping up and going, I didn't agree with my father. Yeah, I he was wrong. And I, I did some things that I'm not proud of because I was following orders. And well, you follow your dad's orders because he's your dad. Mm-hmm. And but- he was this great charismatic leader that held us all under his boot heel, and we had no choice but to follow. Very much, uh, was it Nuremberg trial kind of uh, confession. So, so a, lot, a lot of that involved in it. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing is he wasn't on trial. He was actually trying to step up and take control of the government. Well, and because he's the, saying you should be following me even though I'm my father's son yeah. because I was doing bad things because I'm my father's son, but I'm on my own man and I can lead you to better things now. Yeah, he's basically trying to step up to say, look, I'm going to be totally transparent. I'm going to do whatever it is you guys tell me to do. Yes, I was in the wrong. You know, put put our – essentially put Planet Doom in shackles, but don't necessarily, you know, punish us for – the bad acts of, you know, don't punish the people for the bad acts of the leader is right. what he's trying to say. He's, you know, lift off sanctions, let us start free trade, let us share technology. Essentially trying to say, I want to become a member of society as a whole. It's, it's almost like an ex-con coming out of the clink saying, okay, Actually, I'm ready to re-enter society, but. It's very much Germany, yeah, post-World War One or, or even arguably post-World War Two. Mm-hmm. The sanctions that were put on Germany were so bad that they indirectly led to World War Two, Right. Because everything that Germany made was being taken away from them. You know... So they didn't have anything, and they were... I actually... Poorly. And, I, I think you and I had talked to this one and before. They, they redirect... And that was... Hmm. 
And what he's asking is to have it more like World War II. Yes, there were reparations that had to be paid. Yes, they had to have things. Yeah, they had to pay for what they had done. Right. And, you know, we're, we're going to. And mm-hmm. in fact, they were split in half. But even with that, they said, you, we still have to be able to have people to make a living and be able to prosper yeah. as a people. Otherwise, we're going to fall back and be susceptible to what happened when Hitler took over saying, I know how to make things better. And if you listen to me, I will. That's how Hitler was able to gain powers by yeah. saying he could make things better from all the reparations they had to pay for World War One. And to look history in the eye, and he arguably kind of did. Right. He did it very shittily, but he got the job done. Okay. Um, so. Uh, um, uh, ten. <laughs> ah, Round okay. ten. Avengers uh, versus X-Men. Yep. Um, this is actually pretty much going the same way that it's been going. Mm-hmm. Uh, you didn't have a whole lot to say on this. No, the only thing I was going to mention on this is that this took a turn to the anime. <laughs> because it was the, I just trained in secret for so long, and now here comes my new move, Chaos Punch! <laughs> yeah, and, th- th- I mean, th- honestly, that's a straight-up DBZ move. Yeah, th- th- there's definitely some elements of that thing. Although, actually, Ooh, which reminds me, I gotta contact Damien. Th- that, there's see what there, he says about there's that. a lot more of, uh, well, th- they're basically using the Marvel Kung Fu characters, and so it really fits with that whole, you know, secret martial arts move. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, you get that in anime or DBZ, but but they did it was like a nice little mix here because it was but, part Kung Fu, yeah, it's part, Iron Fist, and, yeah. And what's with the roguish thing she has going on here? Because that's something that's outside of her. No. That's out of her power set that I was aware of. Uh, is that no, the the power absorption deal? The, the, uh, try. No, I, no, I think I think she. Oh no, she was able to do that, didn't she? Yeah, yeah she, she stole Scott's power. Yeah, when she left Utopia in the first place. Yeah, so it, that's right. It, okay, she seems to be a bit amped up, which would happen from the training, right? Uh, but the other thing with this is, I decided uh, that since we're now. Five months in, mm-hmm. I would go ahead and give the Marvel AR app another try. I gave it a try when it first came out. And it sucked out loud. So I figured, okay, AR, there was some interesting art that was definitely computer done that they had the AR logo on. And I'm like, you know what? There are actually a couple scenes in here I remember looking at and going, oh, I wonder what the AR thing is on that. There's yeah. one with of, uh, Scott, I think, where he's getting... Yeah, act, he's just getting, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he's getting the, the dragon punch from... Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. And he's just lit up in all, all these giant computer generated looks like Tron colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm like, okay, I want to see that, that see that's what also got. what prompted me to go ahead and, try, and test AR again is seeing mm-hmm. that pa- panel. Which and find? I found the I found five panels that I tried to use the Marvel AR on. Mm-hmm. Two of which worked. One was the front cover and one was the second or third AR. The others I couldn't get it to work. I had bright light, I had it set up with no glare. Mm-hmm. And on the ones that I did get it to work with, it was still a pain in the ass because you have to set it up so that you're not getting glare. Mm-hmm. It has to be fairly bright. And you're trying to hold your camera and or your, your camera phone, and it's very difficult to get it just far enough away that you can actually see what's on the screen yeah. as well as what's on the, the comic. Mm-hmm. I, again, I noticed that once it started playing, if you moved the phone away, it lost the panel and would stop playing. Yeah. Unless you double tapped it to lock it in place, which it should trying just to hold it, it and double tap at the same time. I mean, yeah. you need a like an an AR stand to hold your yeah, phone you, in place to even do anything with it. Yeah, you, you need to have some some way of propping up your book to get plenty of light on it mm-hmm. and get your camera there and get a decent distance away. It's it just well, it was well, obnoxious to try and do. And well, what the, you don't own like one of those little cell phone photo boxes that they sell at ThinkGeek. No, I, I don't. Doesn't everybody have one of those? Uh, I mean, that's now you know what you can get me for my birthday. Yeah. So, uh, AR app for me was even more of a failure this time. The two things that I did get, actually, the cover was kind of nice because it gave you a nice recap with a Michael Dorn sounding narrator telling you what's happened so far. Oh, okay. Which, with a book coming out every two weeks, you really don't need, but it is nice to have as yeah when you scan the cover. It just gives it, you a little like ooh up your spine. Yeah. The the rest of it not working, yeah. And I spent, I tried it twice. I tried it once the day it came out. I tried it another time, about three days later, figuring maybe for some reason they don't upload the AR files until the day it's released. If something went mm-hmm. wrong, 
It'll take him a couple of days. And both times, I couldn't get three pages to work. And one was a big double page spread. The other was just a small little, you know, you know, third of a page box mm-hmm. that should have been, you know, should have been easy. It, two, two of them I, were that. They, they I, didn't I think, work. uh, I think industry wide, people have said that the AR has been pretty bunk. So you're yeah, you're on par with what I think everybody else has been saying too. Yeah, I, unfortunately, there's some neat concepts there that just have never played out well with it. Yeah. All right. Um. Uh, for DC, we have GL. I'm going to try to stomp on the gas here, too, because I want to move okay. on to news here as quick as we can. Uh, I didn't have really a whole, whole lot to say about GL, other than the fact that this is very strongly leading into what's going to be the next kind of crossover arc in the GL family of books. Um, and, and it's I mean, it, it putting a big honking spotlight on it. So there's no no question where this story is going. Uh, not only that, uh, GL Core, which I'm going to go ahead and group in here with this, mm-hmm. is doing the same thing. What's neat is if you look back at what's been going on in the G, in the Green Lantern books, Geocore, Emerald Knight, or not Emerald Knights, uh, uh New, New Guardians. Guardians, and, uh, just playing GL. Yeah, which I wonder if Red Lanterns has been falling into this as well. I would think so. Yeah, I just but, don't know who's uh, reading Red Lanterns. Yeah, I was say, did, wasn't, wasn't that getting the axe? Uh, or is that still rolling? Have it, it's still rolling as far as I know. Yeah. But. I find that surprising. You, to be you, you go through these books and you can find little bits and pieces that have been leading up to the big reveal that's finally done in GL and uh, GL Core. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a big change going on in GL Core. Uh, many of you know the Alpha Lanterns, which were the yeah, police police of the Green Lantern. The Corps. police police, that police police? Yes, police yeah. police, police police. Awesome. Um, <laughs> yes, I like that sentence. I still can, I still don't figure out the Buffalo one. I, I, I have dramatic problems with the Buffalo, 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 Buffalo one as well. Yeah. Uh, I, I understand where they're trying to go with that one, but back to comic books. Yes. Um, I, I think it's been really neat to see these books, which each went in its own direction, but had these little strings trailing off from each one, and now they're coming right back together. Yeah. And it's going to be real big with the annual, which comes out next month. Yes, um, yes. I know Guy Gardner is going to be featured in the Green Lantern Core Zero issue mm-hmm. as his origin story. Hal will, I'm sure, be featured in the... Yep. Uh, but with the annual, they're going to really kick off the... This next big, like... Yeah, the Third Army. Event, in a way. Yeah, it's going to be a Green Lantern crossover, which will do all three Green Lanterns and the Red Lantern title. Yeah. And it, it's going to be... Yeah, I suppose you can almost say it's like a GL family event, which is yeah. interesting because leading into the New 52... The big thing that people were starting to get was event fatigue. It was happening all over Marvel. It was happening all over uh, It's still happening DC. all over Marvel. <clears throat> but other publishers like Zenoscope were even starting to get into it with the Dream Eater saga. And well, when DCW did... had had their own version of it, which was we, nice because infestation, it was, it was self, yeah. infestation was self-contained. You just had to read the infestation yeah. books. Well, but anyways, with DC doing the 52 reboot, they were saying in a very definitive way, we're getting away from the event stuff. We don't want to do any more big events. No more crisis. No more any of that crap. And they almost lasted for a year. Almost. Um, but instead, what we're seeing is like more mini events inside the individual families of books. Right. And I'm kind of okay with that because we have that, that small tight group where things should be affecting each other. It makes more sense to do it that way as opposed to having things that are occurring in, you know, the, the dark. Affecting things in the uh, something Justice in, League, something or, in Animal Man affecting Justice League. Yeah, uh, which of, but Animal Man should affect Swamp Thing, should affect Justice League Dark, should affect uh, Frankenstein. You know, right. all the ones that are in and, that little nugget. Yeah, and that's what they're doing. With I don't know why I said nugget, but that just felt really good to say that. <laughs> I don't know why it felt really good. Nugget. Uh, nugget. They've already done something similar with Batman and the Night of Owls crossovers. Right. They've done something similar with the uh, Teen Titans title and its associated yeah, books. Yeah, the Ravagers thing. Yeah. Well, I forget yeah. what that one was called, though. Yeah, I, the Ravagers. Decimation or something. Yeah, Decimation, which, yeah, it brought out, the, it was the key that brought out the Ravagers title. Mm-hmm. Right. It crossed over to Superboy and Teen Titans. Yeah, and all the other uh, so they're, they're They've done these mini crossovers before. This, I think, Green Lantern was planned mm-hmm. probably before the fifth, the relaunch. And it's one of the books that has pretty much stayed the same, stayed consistent. Well, which they said they were going to do. From before. Yeah. And I, I think it was planned. They may have decided we want to stay away from that. So come up with a couple of arcs and we'll do it in a, in a year. Yeah. 
Because I think this may have well, been it, it planned. Gave, it gave them more of a chance planned. to put their teeth into other books in that meantime before, you know, launching into something like this. It, it's a smart business move, I think. And, of course, they, they've also, DC has also started with Free Comic Book Day teasing Trinity War, which is going to be the universe-wide crossover. Which that's still not even going to be for another, it's, not it's, close to a year, I think, before I, Trinity War will happen? I think it's less than that now. Is it? Okay. But. Yeah, they 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 were teasing that you're going to start seeing more and more threads of that coming popping up. Oh, uh, actually, in some of the zero issue stuff coming out next month, because uh, Phantom Stranger is going to start and a few others as well. And Phantom Stranger is one of the characters that on Free Comic Book Day was shown as being very integral to the what was happening with Pandora and the the idea of the Trinity War. So I'm I'm really looking forward to that one. By the way, when Phantom <laughs> Stranger comes out, I'm going to read the hell out of that book. I hope it doesn't disappoint. <laughs> Yeah, I, DC's overall, I think, done well with their books not disappointing. Mm-hmm. They're, they have had some falters. And, well, but, you had said, uh, we were talking earlier this week, you mentioned that the DC numbers overall, like on an average, were higher than what they were pre-reboot. Uh, j- just for the for the books that had the comparable title before. Right, so, right, right. From Batman to Batman, Justice League yeah, to Justice something League. Something right. Yeah, something like Red Lantern, there's nothing to compare to because they didn't have a Red Lantern's book before. Exactly. All right, uh, last comic that we're going to discuss. Which, this which, is all you. You yep. read this one, I didn't, so. Uh, and this is The Amazing Spider-Man uh, issue 691. The big thing I want to talk about with this is not so much the story, which the story's been great. This is the last chapter of a reptile story. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do make a change that kind of makes it look a bit more like the one from the new Amazing Spider-Man movie, mm-hmm. as opposed to the traditional reptile that they've had in comics. That I think was done solely for the purpose of having people that have seen the movie get Give have something familiar, to jump in on, have something familiar yeah. with them to when they see the reptile. Uh, it, I love what they were doing with the character of the reptile, of who it was, who it was, was it the reptile, was it Kurt, mm-hmm. and and who really is the, the reptile? I thought it was the lizard. The lizard. Thank you. Oh, okay. I, you you are correct. It is the lizard. Um, I was they're going reptile, reptile. Is that yeah. is that different from the lizard? Is that like uh, so, his son or something? Uh, it, but they've been dealing with you know Doctor Connors and right. the personality of the lizard. So how is yeah? How are they actually intertwined? Um, they did some wonderful stuff playing with that over this past arc. But six ninety one is the end of this arc. It has a little bit of a tease featuring the kingpin and hobgoblin. Oh, okay. Leading into the new arc, which starts with 692. Mm-hmm. So, if you are... Do you know, is 692 going to be a point one issue? Uh, it will probably wind up having the point one to indicate that it's the beginning of a new arc. Okay. Because really, there was only about a page, page two pages of, yeah. at the end of this, which was specifically to tease, uh-huh. okay, yeah. here's here's the new baddies coming into the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I wanted to mention that in case you are interested in... You saw the movie, or you just want to get into reading Spider-Man. Yeah, that's going to be a good jumping-on point. Is six ninety-two? I might do that actually because I'd been looking for more Marvel titles, and I, I told you I recently picked up Daredevil, and I was supposed to get it uh, this week, but didn't just because I think our shop ran out before I got in there to uh, snag it off the shelf. I got to tell them to add it to my pull. Um, but yeah, Spider-Man would be another one I like to pick up to kind of add, you know, fill out my my Marvel stable a little bit. All right. Uh, before we move on to news, I wanted to make a a quick little note, uh, we received an email last week from David Schwartz, who's the writer of Idolize, the title that we reviewed last week. Tell me more. He just gave us a thank you for uh, reviewing the book, and I think it would be churlish for us not to, in return, say thank you for listening. It, it's always important to us to know that there are creators out there that listen to the opinions that we have to say, and hopefully will take our input for what it's worth, and give you know give and take feedback. Well the bonus of this is we gave an honest assessment of the book. We didn't know that he listened to the podcast. Mm-hmm. We didn't know that he would be listening to it. We gave an honest assessment of the book, which means we actually did enjoy it. We weren't just saying that to help him sell books. Oh yeah. And that that's what we do with this is we're not trying to sell books for anybody. We're trying to yeah. let you know what we like, what we don't like. <laughs> we certainly aren't and, trying to powder anybody's ass for that right. matter either. So, yeah, it, it was great to hear from him, and yeah, hopefully yeah, he continues listening and enjoys the show. If you have right. anything new coming out, let us know. Send us some, a preview copy so we can review it for you. <laughs> uh, but moving on to news, uh, and this is news in comics. Uh, the first one, as a downer note, uh, this past week we lost Joe Kubert, who is a grandfather of all comic artists. Um <laughs> 
a legend in the industry. Uh, amazingly so. Uh, he established the Joe Kubert School of Cartooning. Mm-hmm. Now it's just the Joe Kubert School. Which a lot of be, your favorite artists have graduated. Yeah, from. I'd say you'd be hard pressed to find many that have not been through uh, the Joe Kubert School. Uh, I mean, no, there's there's you, a good number, but it'd be easy to find ones that haven't. But, there but it's, are easy a lot to, of, it's very easy to find ones that have. Yeah. So there's a lot of yeah he, what he's done for comics and cartooning and yeah yeah so uh, a lot of people in the comics industry were sending out tweets uh, throughout the week giving their condolences one in particular that we wanted to note came from sterling gates and uh is quote my heart and condolences to the huberts we think about how the industry lost a legend they lost a father a husband a teacher a man I, very poignant words from sterling gates yeah I, he, he defined a lot of uh, the characters that we know of you know uh, sergeant rock he's mm-hmm. credited with you know the character look and feel that we we got used to with Sergeant Rock. Yep. Uh, Enemy Ace. You know he's worked for both Marvel and DC oh, yeah. on all of our favorite characters. So Wait, he was big on Daredevil for a while, I think, wasn't he? Uh, I, think, I think he had a big run on that. But, but so uh, may he rest in peace. Of course, our condolences go out to his family and the comics industry is certainly uh, much worse off for him being gone. Yes. Uh, Couple other real quick notes. Our local comic shop, Heroes Haven, did a Battle of the Geeks this past week, which if you do a search for Heroes Haven and Geeks, you'd probably be able to find it. Uh, the two of the workers there decided to do a uh, head-to-head trivia Battle competition Royal. and uh, two hilarious results. I believe the uh, winner got to punch the loser in the scrotal package, I believe was how it was phrased. Interesting. It, it, it's, it was highly entertaining to watch. I wonder who chose those words. The owner, Pete, because he's the <laughs> one that's uh, narrating it. He's the one uh, hosting. Okay. I'm seeing it. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Heroes Haven Battle of the Geeks. I did mention to Pete, uh, after seeing this, that they should do a customer's battle for prizes, and he said he's all for it. Okay. So, uh, if I can manage to nudge it in, I think we may do... Uh, Maybe Polio and I go head to head on some trivia. See how we can do. Oh no! I'm changing the terms of the win though, because I don't want to. I don't want you punching my package. I don't want to touch your package. So we're gonna have to find some different means to uh, to try to hash stuff out over. I wonder if I still got that spiked cup. I hate you. <laughs> uh, lastly, in comic news, there was some type of a viral release this past week where Marvel is enacting the Avengers Initiative. For what appears to be a new game they're coming out with, I think that was actually confirmed for a game a little later in the week, but I missed on uh, what the game actually was. Yeah, they they they've got a couple of initiatives. They've got their um, they got Marvel on Facebook, which they've been pushing real big recently, mm-hmm. and uh, now now they're kind of pushing this Avengers initiative, yeah, uh, which is going to be played out as part of a game as well. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, Something worth keeping an eye on. We'll see kind of where that goes and what's going to happen with it. Uh, If anything, and I think if I remember seeing it correctly, this is leading into a game that's based on the Avengers movie, and I think will chronologically take place between this and the next movie. But this is definitely for mobile gaming. Yes. For use on iPhones, Android Mm -hmm. devices. So It appears to be. Yep. So that was it as far as comic news. Moving on to games, a whole bunch of video game stuff this week. Uh, first off, Blizzard had their servers recently hacked and lost a significant amount of their user data. Now, what they have said is that the passwords that were, uh, compromised were in fact hashed. So. Not only hashed, but they were also salted. Right. Which is, was one of the big problems when LinkedIn got broken, their mm-hmm. passwords were, were hashed, but they were not salted. So it was very easy for them to compare yeah. and find once they started breaking one, they could easily break the others. Right. Uh, makes it more difficult, unfortunately. And if you don't know what hashing and salting is, uh, jump on Wikipedia, jump on Google, look it up. It's all types. It's like IA stuff. Uh, Basically, hashing uh, means it's security. not actually showing, it's showing an encoded version of the password. Right. Salting means that it's changed so that if you, if you, if it's both Justin and I extra use stuff the same password, in. it's going to show up as a different hash. Right. Whereas if it's unsalted, it'll show up as the same hash for both of us if we use the same password. Exactly. It's computer security stuff. If you're not interested in it, don't worry about it. But if you do want to know, the uh, information's out there. Uh, might be a good idea to go on to Blizzard and change your password, though, just in case. Yeah, which is what Blizzard is recommending their users do. Uh, also with Blizzard, uh, the Mists of Pandaria trailer, the new expansion for the their world record-setting game, World of Warcraft, uh, was released this past week. 
I did get a chance to look at it, and I have had absolutely no interest in this expansion. I dropped my WoW count a long time ago. You don't like fighting pandas? I felt that this expansion reeked of desperation. A lot of people the, felt that, actually. Yeah, well, because the Pandarians were originally announced as an April Fool's joke, and now they're actually going to put them in the game? That's like just begging well, people to come back. a lot of people back. were sitting there going, why are you doing panda bears in World of Warcraft? That doesn't well, make any sense. It does, actually, because the previous three expansions, Burning Crusade, um, uh, Wrath of the Lich King, well, and Cataclysm, all had these very tragic villains that were kind of leading these stories. So it's just like depression on top of depression on top of depression. And I think that in turn did alienate some of their user base as well, just because they just got fed up with the whole thing. It just got too morose. Right. So now they're coming in with Mr. Pandaria, which is this very bright, vibrant, colorful, no big evil overtowering everything. It's a big reminder of this is what you're fighting for. And that's what this trailer does a very, very good job of articulating through cinematic. Um, even if you have nothing to do with the game, you have no interest in the game, I would recommend watching the trailer. One, because it is, in fact, somewhat humorous. It's and two, crazy. because it, it'll give you a neat, different uh, outlook on this game. So is it enough to get you to reopen your WoW account? Not in a million years. All right. So, but to be fair, I'm down on MMOs in general right now. Uh, Guild Wars 2, I think I mentioned last week, has my interest for now, right. but I really don't know how long it's going to stick. I still have uh, Dungeons & Dragons Online that I toy around with every once in a while. I still have DCU Online that I can jump on in every once in a while. And with, in fact... Yeah, let's bring this right to the next story, which is that they're getting new downloadable content for the DCU Online. Uh, this is going to be The Hand of Fate is the name of this one, and it's going to focus around Dr. Fate and his uh, longtime nemesis, Felix Faust. Uh, I don't know what this is going to do as far as level cap or itemization or anything else like that. I've been out of the DCU Online universe for a long, long time. I never really got that deep into it in the first place. So I don't know how this is going to affect the that world overall. But DCU Online is free to play. And it is and was an enjoyable game. I can only imagine it continued to be so well, most going on. Of, so. Most of these games are switching to free-to-play. I know that Star Wars uh, Old Republic has switched to free-to-play. Yep, yep. Um, ha, 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 now, with WoW, with the new update, is that going to be paid for the new update? Mr. No, Mr. Pandaria is still a purchase okay. expansion. With WoW, it's the first 15 levels are free-to-play now? I uh, want to say, 15, actually, 20? it goes as high as, like, 30. Okay, so you can start or, that experience. Or possibly the entire original content. Oh, what they did say, though, right. and this is a change, is that with Mr. Pandaria... All of the races, which previously, uh, the, like the Blood Elves and the Denari, or Draenei, you had to own Burning Crusade to be able to do. The Death Knight class was locked down in Wrath of the Lich King. So, so they're opening up some of those, right, those classes that you weren't able to play unless you had specific right. add-ons. All of the classes and races will be playable to all users regardless of DLC ownership. As of Mr. Pandaria. Okay. Including the Pandarians themselves. Interesting. Alright. Now, lastly, let's go ahead and talk about one of the uh, big game providers, and that's Steam. Yep. And Steam from Valve Software. Yep. They've decided they're going to do more than just do games now. They're actually moving into the software arena. Which, this makes a lot of sense, especially with Steam's recent uh, launch of the movie production software that its name is escaping me at the moment. Uh, no, not Factory. Movie Factory, I think. I think that's what you called it before. Yeah. So with them having released this software and seeing how well it's sold to the community at large, I think they finally realized it makes sense for them to go ahead and do non-game software on their platform as well. Uh, one other thing we were going to mention really quick this week, and I'm just going to say it just to put it out there. Uh, Dominion, the card game I talked about, I think, two weeks ago, recently had a potential online version by goco.com, and they were also going to do Settlers of Catan as well. It went live this week and was immediately rolled back to beta because their servers got flooded and you were unable to do anything. I actually tried to register an account, tried to log in. None of it would work because their entire back end was hosed. 
So <laughs> they've said they're, they've rolled everything back to beta. If you want to play, you can sign up as a beta tester and get invited to come in and play in the beta, which they probably will invite more and more people in because they'll want to stress test their system. <laughs> um, but I'm not going to, I'm going to hold off on this, but I'm going to keep this on the back burner so that when that does come back online, I can jump on, give it a play. All of this should be, uh, if my understanding is correctly, free to play. Okay. So I'll jump on, I'll check these out and report back in once we do. Woo-hoo! Uh, in the tabletop world, uh, big, big news for this week because this week was Gen Con. And the keynote of Gen Con was Wizards of the Coast and Dungeons and Dragons focusing on D&D next and where D&D is going to be going in the future. Uh, I'm actually going to put in our show notes links to, uh, all of this new stuff, but specifically to a, uh, a video of the entire keynote from Gen Con. Also, there was a, a really good summary that if somebody doesn't want to sit and watch the whole thing, because I think it's about an hour, they can just read the summary and get kind of the highlights and the keynotes of what the big pieces were that they hit on. Um, just to, to give you a, a quick smattering, there are going to be six new novels that are going to be written by such guys as Bob Salvatore, Ed Greenwood, uh, and four other authors that whose names I don't remember because I haven't read their stuff. And which world is this being said? Is this is all of D world? All of it? this is Forgotten Realms. Okay. They have said that they, they just announced actually at Gen Con that for D and D next at launch, their core world and their main focus is and only will be Forgotten Realms. Greyhawk is out. Dark Sun is out, Ravenloft out, everything else they're not going to do. Not that they won't come back to it later, but they want to give a full devotion to this one world that is arguably the most diverse world that they have and make it fantastic as opposed to trying to spread their efforts across many and making them all mediocre. So the most well-known world is forgotten. Yeah, I know. Go figure, right? All right. Uh, another... Another thing with this as well, uh, a trailer for D&D, a documentary, came out this week as well. I don't know where this is going to be popping up as far as if it's going to be going straight to Netflix or other types of distribution, but the trailer for it made me want to just jump on this with both hands, both feet, and mouth to mouth. Oh yeah, because it just looks so cool. It's a, it is going to be a full examination of D&D from its inception back in the days of Gygax and uh, something with an A, I can't remember his name, my memory no! sucks, the guy that everybody else forgets anyways. And all the <laughs> way up to and including the current D&D Next development, talking with Mike Merles, Jeremy Crawford, uh, Chris okay, Perkins. So you're going to get that. everything from yeah the origins of the games that came before D&D that led to Gygax and the creation of D&D. A little bit, which there's and only so much that was there. I mean, it's the stories and the worlds that existed that got Gygax and what's-his-name well, to come up was, with the idea of role-playing games and yeah. then well, yeah, it was, it was the codification the, the, up from there. The, the, the games of armies versus armies well, that, yeah, that, yeah, that yeah, led yeah, to yeah. that. Well, um, yeah, because well, well, TSR customize... was a tactical, strategic... Uh, what was the R? <laughs> um, tactical, strategic role-play, I think. Or rules, maybe? Yeah, I mean, they basically were a a tactical gameplay game company, and then D&D came in and just overtook yep. all the rest of their stuff. Um, anyways, moving on to some other stuff. Uh, news from the internet, and uh, we only have one from the internet this week because the internet was kind of slow. Uh, the creator of the Oatmeal, uh, whose name is... <laughs> Matthew Inman? Yes, thank you, Matt Inman, yeah. uh, has decided that his last Indiegogo project did so well... <clears throat> That he's decided to go back and is going to try to raise enough money to purchase the original Tesla laboratory of Nikolai Tesla and help to convert it into a Nikolai Tesla museum. Yeah. Which this is really kind of cool. Uh, it, the yeah. property I think is up, they said for $850,000. No, I thought it was more than that. Well, sorry. Well, I thought it, it was 1.6 mil. Um, yes, it's 1.6 mil. And there's somebody out there that will this give a uh, one-to-one contribution if it's yep. going to be made into a museum. Yep. So they need the 850 to be able to get the 1.6, which obviously, yes, we know that goes over, but there's other fees and stuff involved in it as well. Right. Um, he has said that anything that comes in in excess of the 850 will go into uh, restoring the building. Right. Right. 
Uh, New York State will match the 850000 Ah, that's what it was. Yeah. Uh, there are other competing bids on the property as of now. I think there's a 1.2 bid that's on it right now to knock it down and turn it into a retail location, which, you know, geeks of the world unite because yeah. last thing we want to see is a, a very cool old historic laboratory. I mean... Think Dr. Frankenstein Laboratory, literally, because every time you see a Frankenstein movie, there's a Tesla coil in there somewhere shooting off sparks and shit. So this is like the the, the holy grail of nerd labs. I mean, come on. Yeah, this has been hitting a lot of the geeky websites. Mm -hmm. websites. In the first 48 hours, they've raised $500,000. And that's 48 hours. That's a good start Mm -hmm. towards that that 850K. So... um, yeah, hopefully, you know, they'll be able to uh, get the rest of that money in there. Well, it'll depend on how how much they can stretch out to big-name donors. Because right. if they can really hook some of those in to get, like, some, some angel donor-type things, I think they'll see a... Well, I, see in, 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 his, in his initial request, he's asked for companies like GE, who, who deal owe, with electricity. Yeah, well, companies that almost owe a debt of tribute to Tesla for right. inventing the technologies that they base their companies on. Right, yeah. He's asked Google to, to yeah, step in. J.P. Morgan. Yeah. Well, basically anybody that can get a really, really good yeah, PR pretty, out of it. J.P. Morgan backed Tesla to begin with, so, you know. Yeah, he's saying, saying step up, do it again. Yep. Yeah. He's, he's telling GE, Tesla, you know, uh, to quote Inman, you know, Thomas Edison founded GE and screwed Tesla out of a ton of money. It's never too late to make amends. Sponsor this museum. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Google, Tesla Motors. That's their namesake. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> So, you think they would have to? Yeah, he's calling out to lots of people trying to get them to uh, to so, sponsor this. So. We'll see if they do. Uh, hopefully, they'll put their money where their mouths should be and make something happen. Yep. Uh, moving on into TV, uh, there's a few things to talk about. Uh, a new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles is going to premiere on Nickelodeon on October 1st, bringing Ooh. back one of our favorite voice actors, Mr. Rob Paulson. The original Raphael, who is now going to be playing Donatello. Yes. Uh, you may also be familiar with his work as Pinky from Pinky and the Brain and nah. Yakko from uh, Animaniacs. The Wonder, Bro- yep. Animaniacs yep. the Wonder Brothers. Uh, also in TV, we have a whole bunch of shows that are premiering. Oh, actually, this also week. in team, the new oh. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Sean Astin. That's right. Sean Astin is Raphael, if I remember correctly. <laughs> So you got Sean Astin, which so got we all Ru- know from Rudy. Yeah, you got Rudy playing Raphael. You have Raphael playing Donatello. What the hell is this world coming to? <laughs> Anyways, uh, other new premieres, uh, obviously not as far out as October 1st, but coming back this week, we had Grimm, which just came back. Which, you know, fairy tale type stuff, fantastic. That's sort of in our wheelhouse. Yep. Also coming back, White Collar, Covert Affairs, and Burn Notice, all on USA. Yep. All of which I know are... Shows that we were fans of. Uh, Covert Affairs, I think you were kind of wishy-washy on. Yeah, I, if it's on, I, I watch it. Yeah, it's sort of as they don't have cable anymore, it's my wife's a big fan, so on. she she loves it. Yeah, she likes it. I had yeah. to put it on the list for her. Yeah, Grim had a good good strong start. Oh, yeah. They've introduced some new characters. Uh, White Collar and Burn Notice, I know, I really enjoy. I think you did. I know yeah. Burn Notice, you and I did. We kind of slacked it, off in the last season or so. Yeah, particularly I know you and your your wife were slacking off on Burn Notice. I stayed with yeah. it. it. It's oh, gone okay. back to, to more of its old feel. Good. Good, good. Uh, there's still some new stuff. Yeah, I the show's starting to wear though. It's starting to feel like it's starting the to show same, its age. Yeah, it's starting to show its same, the age. It's the same yeah. thing almost every time. They they got to no. end it soon. Uh, maybe or, they'll get or one they need more. to do something good with it that'll kind of kick it, it, in the pants. Well, if, I I don't think they're because of the show. If they change it, I you, think you don't think they could swerve it. I, I don't. I don't think they could swerve it. I, th- I think you're going to find up that people are going to feel like you and your wife did, where it wasn't the same show, and they need to get back to what they were doing. Well, it could or, not be the same show. I just didn't like the direction that they turned. I, I, it's I th- not that I didn't like them turning at all. I just didn't. I, well, I, I, I wanted I to make they, a right. They made a left. I I, I don't know that the, with the show, if they get away from the procedural aspect of it, mm. that. Which is really where they need to go because that's what's starting to feel. I, there's still some cool stuff that yeah, you go, you oh, okay, that's that's fun. But staying with that procedural aspect is is where the show's gonna. Well, it's interesting because you have shows that can do the procedural and have that very strong undertone to it as well, and yeah. it overall still makes it very entertaining and interesting. Yeah. Uh, Anyways. 
Uh, I think the last thing we were going to mention as far as news is uh, the monkeys were going to reunite for a Davy tribute tour. So uh, and you saw more about this than I did. <laughs> what was what was the story on this one? Uh, wasn't a whole lot. Just that you know the monkeys are getting back together. They're going to be touring the U.S. And I remember sitting in my parents' basement with the record player listening to the old 33 and a thirds of the monkeys. Yeah. Really wow. I know you're not older than, well, you're, you are older than me, but not by that much. No. Those See, I was, the records were new. They were my parents' records. Well, yeah. I mean, my parents but, were, my parents never had the records. My parents were listening to Boston and stuff. No, I remember monkeys just from sitting up late watching, uh, yeah. TV Land, yeah, Nick TV at Night. Land. Yeah. Where I remember, it was monkeys, I remember, Mr. Ed, and, I, 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 uh, I Dream of Genie. Oh yeah. yeah. I watched them there as well. So there's a bit of that. Most of this is just nostalgia. Oh god, yeah. But the fact that, yeah, the, that, it's the they monkeys were, for crying out loud. Oh, yeah. The, the prefab four. They, they, they were the, the goofy version of the Beatles. Yeah. And so, yeah. I, I just thought it was fun. You know, thought we'd mention that they're going out there. So. Okay. And, uh, that is about it for this week. Uh, the only other thing we were going to mention is, we received uh, some input from Mr. Brady Sullivan, who is the creator of the webcomic Death Springs. He is going to have a new comic coming out, or a new arc, I should say, called Revolution Isle 9, coming from the comic book Kent. Kent is sort of like a Twilight Zone, um, a bunch of minis inside of one comic type of thing, and Revolution Isle 9 is going to be his inside of Kent. We have gotten a preview of this, and we're going to go ahead and read through it and give you our review of it next week and let you know all the fun, gory details. Uh, also, not just Revolution, Revolution Isle 9, we'll also be reviewing his webcomic, Death Springs, as well. So, I got something to look forward to uh, coming up mm -hmm. as we got that in the bag. Uh, but uh, go ahead and shoot us a line. You can contact us at... Now, all of our contact information at about.me slash comic book tesseract. Now that's got our email address. That's got our Twitters. That's got our Facebook page, our Google Plus account, all available at about.me slash comic book tesseract. Heck, if you want to call us or text us, we got a number on there for you as well. So uh, go ahead and head over to about.me slash comic book tesseract. I'd like to thank our friends over at thecomicbooknerd.com for uh, letting us post up our show there, get the latest comic book news over there, mm -hmm. and our friends at Heroes Haven. Uh, you know, for selling uh, us comics. Yes. <laughs> so, Because, uh, honestly, they could choose to be dicks and not sell to us, but yeah, they I, don't do that. He threatened me with that the other day. I threatened him with what him What did going... you do? Honestly, what did you do that would make him abandon his business practice? Well, it was an empty threat. I just looked at him and go, without me, you go out of business. And he goes, I know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. It was yeah it's a good threat. thing we're friends with these guys, because otherwise <laughs> you'd be in deep shit. <laughs> okay. Uh Anyways, uh, go ahead, uh, communicate us with us. Let us know what you like, what you don't like. And we'll see you next week when we step inside the Tesseract. <laughs>